Good evening and good morning, ETL State of Mind listeners. I hope you guys are ready for another week with myself, James, co-host Kyle and Sean. Get ready to get into the ETL State of Mind because we had some really great games this weekend, of course, again, as always. And we have some really exciting Cups finals and also some more Champions League to look forward to this week as well. So I hope everyone's ready to go. Uh, We're going to go ahead and get right into it this week. As always, we're going to start with some hot news. We got two for this week. Nothing incredible happened outside of the EPL as well as inside for some juicy topics. But we do have possibly another team that can join Kyle and Man City with some real big financial implications as well as possible relegation. I do doubt it will happen for this monster, for this giant. But Barcelona, we saw something come out later on last week that Barcelona had paid $1.5 million to the former VP of refereeing in La Liga. La Liga, I'm sorry, from 2016 to 2018. So much like Man City, which, you know, is obviously for different financial, you know, hidings and different financial fair play breaches, essentially bribing the vice president of refereeing in La Liga is not something that is going to go away quietly. So obviously this is some really big news. Barcelona being probably arguably the team in La Liga. You obviously have Barcelona and then Real Madrid, but there are some serious implications that could come to this. I don't know what we'll see, uh, but Sean, I know you looked into this a little bit more. You have a little bit of history on this, on what's going on, what, what potentially we will see here. Yeah, um, it's unclear exactly what the, the punishment will end up being, but basically um, Jose Maria Enriquez uh, was the VP, as you mentioned, of La Liga's refereeing unit. Um, and from 2016 to 2018, um, was basically owned a company that Barcelona was funding um, and paying paying a yearly stipend to. Um, they they being Barcelona Barcelona's board believed that you know they didn't pay off anybody. They said that this is not an unusual arrangement for you know La Liga clubs, but Enriquez has uh, intimated that the only club that he was working with was Barcelona. So we'll keep you posted as this comes on, but there's still uh, a lot of uncertainty around this one at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Y- y- a lot of people will argue, and obviously we're a big EPL heavy fan base here, and most of our focus is oriented towards the EPL. But obviously you look at like the Champions League finals and Real Madrid, Barcelona have had always had a massive standing in that tournament. So one thing to consider is like you really can't get rid of these guys in some form of relegation to their second division because of all the financial and entertainment loss. That's going to happen right. to La Liga. It's essentially would, if you're going to put any type of punishment on Barcelona, it, it would be shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, without Barcelona and Real Madrid, yeah, you have some really good teams in there too. You got Sevilla, Atletico, uh, you have uh, Valencia struggling, but we always like to think about them as, as someone who can kind of come back. You just don't have the entertainment or the draw without Barcelona especially with the past couple of seasons. They've really been picking back up the pace with some really high-profile names. Obviously, they're always in the news with something financial, but we will see what happens to this, and, and we'll keep, keep you all posted because uh, it does have a lot of world soccer implications. Back to our side of the pond in the, uh, the EPL. Southampton, as we spoke about last week, sacked their previous manager, and we're in the, in the market essentially for one, and we thought that Jesse March would be the perfect fit. As we were recording last week's actual uh, podcast, we got a notification that it was actually lined up to happen. So we thought that we were going to get the American for a little bit longer. Uh, two days before the game that they played against Chelsea and actually ended up winning one nothing, uh, Jesse March and Southampton's contract negotiations fell through. So again, I know, Sean, you have a lot of information on the, the why this kind of fell through. We spoke about earlier in the week, but we were... De- you know, kind of seeing, well, it kind of really depends if Jesse March wants a contract long-term that would be, you know, keeping him in the EPL, in the Premier League, that is. So, Sean, I'll, I'll give you that mic again once more to kind of inform everyone about what happened. Yeah. So, uh, again, going back to last week, um, the one uncertainty and, and the thing we kind of covered was maybe they were going to hire Marsh with a look for the long-term um, because you know they are at the bottom of the table, and at at time of recording last week, they were six points off the relegation uh, zone exit. But um, Marsh basically wanted a, a long term guarantee that he'd be 
retain through the end of this season and the start of next season. Southampton basically said, either keep us up or you're going to be your F off. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that that's where things stand. Uh, Marsh ended up balking at that offer and um, they, they moved on to Ruben Seles, who actually was the number two, the assistant manager for Ra- Ralph ha- Hassenhutel at the beginning of this season. So um, Hassenhutel was really popular among the fans, especially his style of play. He had a very specific structure, very high energy. He comes from that uh, Red Bull school of thought, so Leipzig and, and Salzburg, that style of play, similarly to what uh, Jesse Marsh likes to play as well. Um, but Sellers, obviously, good start for him, the 39-year-old manager, as you mentioned, uh, you know, delivered a one nothing win this weekend over Chelsea. So huge win for Southampton. Um, will be interesting to see who they who or if you know they can bring anybody in and obviously they'll be competing with leads for you know the the top available managers yeah i mean like just talking about leads that's who they have coming up next week on saturday if they just get one win and obviously a couple other things have to happen but they're sitting at the bottom dead last at 18 by themselves with Leeds united sitting at 19 so right there you have a relegation battle for next weekend which will put them one step closer. So you know you're not going to get further away from Leeds. And then on 17th and 16th place with 21 points is Everton and Bournemouth. Everton is going through a bit of a resurgence here. But if we can get a couple momentum swings with Southampton, I mean, we have a serious race between five people. Maybe even we drag the Wolves into the conversation between the bottom six for West bottom Ham. three relegation. West Ham. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're still in there. Uh, they kind of didn't perform as well as I thought they would against Spurs this weekend, but we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of games left to be played. And as, as we see throughout the entirety of the season so far, anyone can beat anyone at any point. So it's, uh, you know, the second half is when teams really start to gel, maybe their new transfers and stuff. So Southampton maybe can squeak out here. I think if they can win the next game against Leeds, they're, they're looking a little bit better, but obviously, um, yeah. <laughs> Seeing a Jesse Marchless Leeds play against a Jesse Marchless Southampton will be something to watch for next weekend. <laughs> uh, we'll do a little quick update for you guys since Champions League did return. Uh, the first rounds were, like we said last week, unfortunately for the English teams, both lost 1-0. We had Chelsea lose one nothing against Dortmund, and then we also had AC Milan beat Tottenham one nothing. So not terrible. I would say Chelsea's probably in the worst of the two positions of the teams because their game, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but their game was at Stamford Bridge. So Dortmund, no, I'm sorry. Wait, was that both were away, right? Correct. Yeah, so both were away. So actually, to be honest with you, not a bad position for either team because now they come home. And uh, as you guys may or may not have known, but before previously in the, in the Champions League, away goals counted more than home goals, but they got rid of that last season. So no matter where you're playing, Chelsea and Tottenham just need two goals to, to take it. So a bit, bit of a damage control going away there. One nice part was uh, Dortmund. We had the American, Jude Bellingham, looked outstanding. So Did he change his nationality? That. Yeah. What? Oh, no. Is he not American? No, he's, he's English. English. He's British. He's English. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, well, I was getting excited. Looked, I was like, yeah. He American. looked outstanding. I, dude, that's fucking sick. I didn't know he was American. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're going to get a well, on, in the Premier League next year, probably for Liverpool. On another little sad note, um, here at the EPL State of Mind, we do send our condolences out to Mr. Christian Atsu. Was it Atsu? Oh, the pronunciation. Yeah, he was unfortunate. He was a victim of the, uh, the, the earthquakes in Syria and Turkey that obviously has affected millions and millions of not millions but thousands of people there you can you can say that is earth shattering because it quite literally is so obviously they discovered um that he did not make it through the earthquake so obviously thank you kyle for bringing that up we do send our hopes uh and our prayers to his families um and hopefully- yeah he was in the premier league too he played for chelsea and newcastle yep yep and uh for those who don't know his final moments on the soccer field in his life he scored a 90th minute goal on a free kick for his team to help them win so that was that was a special way yeah his his ex-teammate i believe celebrated this weekend uh with a rest in peace t-shirt underneath so very touching uh, moment always kudos at at uh ajax and another young Ghanaian. so that was cool to see 
definitely yeah, a cool moment. Absolutely. So it was a sad time uh, for humanity uh, and especially the the soccer or the football community when such a young talent uh, is taken. So again, thoughts and prayers. But uh, moving on into the EPL state of things, we're going to get into obviously the little personal friendly wager Kyle and I had uh, based off of Wednesday's game. So I'll be covering that game in its, its totality and then let Sean and and Kyle attempt to rip, in, rip into me and the Arsenal genes within me, but I think I'll be able to rebuttal quite a bit there and, and say that we're still we're still on the march. So um, once we get back, we'll hop right into that and some really exciting games with Liverpool, Newcastle, and Southampton and Chelsea. Well, a deal is a deal, Kyle, and I would like to congratulate you first on a performance that outweighed Arsenal and uh, congratulate you on being at the top of the table for 30 minutes or what felt like to be 15 minutes ago. So I hope you enjoyed it while it lasts. But obviously, uh, this weekend or this week, midweek, we had our makeup game from Arsenal uh, against Man City, home at Emirates Stadium, a game that I really was hoping that we would at least tie but unfortunately, we took an L 3-1 against Man City. Now, like we said last week, it's just another win in the column for uh, Man City against Arsenal. That means that we have uh, not won or beaten Man City in the last 11 appearances now based off of Wednesday. We do have one more game against you guys, which is the third game against you guys this season. That will be away at the Etihad. So we could see that having even greater title race, you know, uh, implications. But to, to get into the game, I would like to say that Arsenal, I felt personally, was the only team on the field in the first half. I think they, they dominated the first half really, really well. Uh, but unfortunately, when you give up a goal like you did uh, very early in the game with an error, a team like Man City is going to capitalize on that. And that's exactly what they did. You're going to look at the goal uh, that Tamiyasu went. He was started. I, I actually mentioned in the last episode this this on the podcast that I had a feeling or I would have liked to see Ben White take a bit of a, a seat just for a little bit to rest his legs because he's been working really hard. As I said before, I really think he's probably top top three, top five right backs in the league. But he was going through a little bit of a spell, just like Arsenal had been. So uh, Arteta started Tamiyasu, and that could only go one way. Tamiyasu coming on fire or because of the rust coming to the one of the most important games of the season and unfortunately not live up to the hype. And unfortunately, that's what happened relatively immediately. He did a good job trying to make up for it, but uh, there was a long ball over the top, which Man City was doing quite often against us for our high line. And Tamiyasu is going down the left side trying to beat, I believe, is it was a Grealish or it was Grealish, I believe, putting the pressure on Tamiyasu. Tamiyasu goes to try to pass the ball back to maintain possession because we do like to play balls from the back now. He hits it with his weaker foot back to Ramsdale, and it was just too great of a distance. You had great awareness from Grealish to put the pressure on Tamiyasu, and then even better awareness from one of the world's best central midfielders, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, to really chase that ball down. And I know one thing that we were all talking about earlier in you know our prep was what a finish. I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, he – Goalie was out of his box, can't use his hands, open net, should be an easy goal. He fit that into the the perfect window. I mean, that is the definition of a world-class finish from a world-class player that hadn't been playing to his full potential or his full time on the field as of late. So a lot of respect for Kevin De Bruyne, maybe not for the push against Arteta, but for that finish 100%. So unfortunately, uh, we went down one nothing due to our own fault very early on the game. Uh, but throughout the beginning, I wanted to mention that I thought that, you know, uh, the, the formation was very interesting that Pep threw out there. Uh, Pep started with a 3-2-2-3 with Walker, Diaz, and Ake in the back. Then you had Rodri and Fernando Silva kind of stepping one line ahead of them. So Fernando Silva would kind of drop back into almost a fullback position to go against Saka, who I think absolutely dominated uh, Silva throughout that first half. Silva could do nothing but foul him consistently and ended up getting a yellow card 
in the first half when he should have had a yellow card in the first 25 minutes of the match just going against Saka. But it's out of a position that he hasn't played before. It's a formation that's very strange. Pep is doing a lot of rotations throughout the entirety of the season. And that might be why Pep is one of the greatest, because he comes up and he comes up with these interesting formations that keeps the opponent guessing. Arsenal, I would like to see a little bit more changing up to really keep us on the upper foot with not being able to be anticipated so often. But, you know, Pep did a really good job of keeping it interesting. He did eventually uh, sub, uh, I believe it was Mares on the right side, which put Silva back into the position that he was. And from there, you could see the game really opened up for Man City. But for the first half, it was it was pretty Arsenal favored with the exception of the Tamiyasu error. Uh, we obviously then made it tied before the half on the 40th minute. A PK was awarded uh, for a, a shot that Eddie Ketia had taken that I believe it was Ake cleared off of the line at the last second. But Ederson came across Eddie. This was a bit controversial. I'm going to say the referee got it right. Take Ederson out of the position of the box and put him anywhere in the field or any other player. That's going to be a foul. So just because it's in the box and it's the goalie doesn't mean he's allowed to literally just jump into Eddie, who's going through a finish. So Kyle, I know you'll have some comments about that, I'm sure. Unfortunately for Man City, Arsenal got the call. Saka steps up. Ederson trying to play some mind games, pointing to, to Saka's left side of the net. Saka goes, listen, I've missed maybe one PK in my life. It was gigantic. It's not going to happen again. Looks Ederson straight in the face, slots it left corner. Great finish, really cool and calm and collected from the young gunner, the star boy. Coming to half, I'm feeling pretty good. As long as we don't beat ourselves again, I think we have a lot of potential on making this either tie or even going for the win, just based off of the possession that we had in the first half. Oh boy, was I mistaken. Unfortunately, right after the half, this, the formation kind of switches, like I said before. Silva has more time with the ball. He gets the attack going. We only, Arsenal, meaning we, only had one real aggressive attack in the 65th minute when Eddie was just late by maybe five or four seconds on the ball when a ball came crossed in from Tomiyasu trying to make up for his error in the beginning. And then against the run of play in the 71st minute, I, I would say that Grealish slots a ball that unfortunately takes a lucky deflection off of a diving Tomiyasu. Again, looks like it's coming right at Ramsdale. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. It's a great finish. It's really great composure from Jack Grealish, who's been showing some really, really promising strides as of late. It's a good finish. Uh, that's in the 71st minute. Hate to see that happen again. And then in the 82nd minute, Holland puts the ball away and puts the game away. And it's just a no stop in the sky. He's a scoring machine. He makes it 26 in the season. And if you look at the actual passage of play, it takes a very awkward ball in from, I believe it was De Bruyne again, who got a goal and assist. And on his weak foot, Holland is able to control this ball and put it into a position where his right foot, within two seconds, a flash of the eye, is able to get the shot off. Ramsdale stands straight up. He's got no opportunity. He's got no shot. That's a world-class finish right there. And that's a great goal by Holland. I think uh, there was a lot of intense and very strong battles between Holland, Saliba, and Gabriel. That's what we kind of anticipated. We wanted to see how the center backs were going to hold up against one of the greatest forwards that have so far come into the EPL in his first season, nonetheless. Uh, Gabriel obviously got really lucky with the PK that was called off because of offsides. But Holland and him were going at it all the time. Half the time, I thought we were watching a wrestling match. It was insane. But I think it was a battle that we were all excited for, and I think we're going to be even more excited for against the next time over at the Etihad. So overall, super disappointing loss for the Arsenal and a great win for Man City to see themselves get lifted onto the top of the table, obviously still with a game in hand. But overall, I'm not upset with how Arsenal played. I'm upset with the result. I think we beat ourselves a little bit there. But I think it got, kind of goes to show that we are able to stick up with Holland and with, with Man City. So I think for the remainder of the season, it's going to be, you know, our title to lose with a good win against a good comeback win against Austin Villa this weekend. But obviously this, this was the main highlight for, for, for the Gunners. This is what all the hype was happening or building up to. So I don't know if it was because the hype, we kind of, you know, we're, we were losing, we tied, we lost, we lost. We're coming into Man City on a, on a lull, so it makes it very, very challenging. But one thing I did want to say, and I know, Sean, you'll probably bring it up, and we, you know, it was the title of our podcast, I believe, two weeks ago, 
and it's it's possessions overrated. But I would like to point out that Arsenal had 64% possession of that game, and that is the first time that City have been kept to less than 50%, I believe. Or I'm sorry, less than 45%. They were kept with 36% possession. They are averaging 73% possession. Uh, I'm sorry, 64.7% possession this season. So they're the highest possession team out there, Man City. So to go, you know, up against these guys and maintain the ball for the majority of the game is impressive. The only game that City had less percentage possession of than any other team was against Brighton. And Brighton had 52% possession and City had 48%. And City ended up winning that game 3-1. So it just goes to show that possession isn't the greatest gauge. But it does say that we're able to kind of keep composure and maintain our flow of the game a bit more. So I think you, you get rid of our errors there. Um, and, and it's going to be a very, very interesting third game. So I'm, I'm putting on the helmet and the knee pads, guys. So uh, go ahead. What's up? Let me have it. Kyle, you want to take the helm this time? Oh, sure. I don't know about you, Sean, but I don't think I've ever heard someone so excited over a 3-1 loss. I mean, <laughs> he's just pumped. Uh, yeah, my couple notes on that was it was a great win for City. We had to play 12 men. I don't know if anyone watched the game, but that referee oh, was absolute on. dog shit. <laughs> that yeah, penalty okay. that James is talking about, he's damn right I'm going to argue that. That's it's a hogwash, malarkey, absurdity. You call it, it's the truth. It's, I mean, what is Ederson supposed to do? The dude went out, stood his ground, and he did not impede. He did not impede the shot. The shot was got off of who was it? Enkedia. Uh, yeah, Eddie. It, yeah, so it, he got the shot off too. That should not have been called. Even the announcers were shocked on that one. Um, I also thought that it was borderline. There was a red card, yellow card opportunity where Enkedia. It might have been Tommy Asu. They went in studs up. It was in Kedia. It was in Kedia. And you know what? I'm okay with the yellow, but if a red card was pulled, I also would not have been shocked. It was a complete studs up challenge. But other than that, um, City's lineup, James says it was a 3-2-3-2 or whatever he called it. 3-2-2-3. Yeah, it was a 4-1-4-1 that Pep put out there. Um, He dropped Silva to left back, which was interesting. Interesting Mm -hmm. call. So I, I, I don't that's even why know he was getting burned. Pep, this is all Pep does. He changes up so much. We don't even know what he's fucking throwing out there. Yeah, yeah. but he's right. I mean, Arsenal smoked us in the first half. We got a handout goal that I, I wouldn't even say handout. De Bruyne really earned that finish. But oh, yeah, it, was, it was not a Man City worked goal. Put it that way. Man City could have and should have been two or three down at the half. Um, Pep Guardiola clearly said something to him at halftime. They came out looking like a completely different team. They put up three or two in the second half could have been more, but you know, Holland's finish was world-class on his right foot. So I'm happy with the result as well. I should be three, one win. Um, We did end up dropping points this weekend. So we are not in first place. We are still in second, but yeah, overall, very happy with the performance. They looked like city of old. They looked hungry. They looked like they could score three or four more goals every game. Yeah, Sean, what do you what do you got, man? I mean, you're you're obviously a Liverpool fan, and I doubt that you want to see Man City take another title, especially with the competition that they've had against you guys as of late. But I'm sure you don't want to see my my happiness, uh, you know, materialize either. So I appreciate that. What what, what do you take away from this game, the Battle of the Giants? Yeah, um, I do. I do think that. And like I think you mentioned, the the Akanji sub from Mares really changed the the way the dynamic of that game. City definitely looked off it, and I I definitely agree with you about what you said that that Silva easily could have gotten a couple of yellow cards in the first half and been off because he was fouling Saka. He couldn't stop the man. But I uh, you got to give him credit when he did get moved back into a more comfortable position on the right wing in the second half. He was phenomenal. Um, he took the ball off Gabriel to to spark the second goal. And then he made the pass into De Bruyne into the box to set up the third goal. So you got to give the guy a lot of credit. He played really, really, really well in the second half. And it, it just showed, you know, the maturity of Man City, even when they don't necessarily play their best game um, for 90 minutes, they still find a way to get the three points. So um, obviously doesn't sting as much for you now that, that Arsenal's back on top uh, with, with the crazy comeback that they had against Villa. But uh, City still holds that mental edge and, Obviously, that game in April is going to be absolutely massive. 
obviously the other thing you have to t- take into account when that game comes around is that Arsenal is going to have Gabriel Jesus back most likely and then Partey potentially as well. So those are two guys who are missing and they're big pieces for Arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they are, if you draw a line straight up the field, they're literally the kind of the central spine. Party holds down the middle. I, I definitely want to give Jorginho credit. I think he's come into a position that, you know, right off the bat, you know you're you're being signed for $15 million, which is a huge signing to be number two in your position. And he has, you know, a more, I think he's more attack forward. He's a lot less defensive and central like party is, but he has an incredible vision. And it showed through the Man City game and it showed through the Austin Villa game, Aston Villa game, where obviously he was dinging passes through, penetrating passes, keeping composure on the ball. And obviously he was the direct result of the Martinez own goal, but outside of his right boot hit the crossbar comes back off the backside of Martinez's head. And I don't think that could have been a more exciting and amazing result for me to watch that coming off of Emmy Martinez, who I'm not a fan of anymore, just because I think what his shenanigans at the World <laughs> Cup ruined it for me. I know you're, you're mature enough, Kyle, so you probably really enjoy yeah, the trophy. I did. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Had, but it Top is what it is. So I thought that was. <laughs> So I thought that was pretty uh, pretty great for me. But again, we get Jesus back. I'm going to the Crystal Palace versus Arsenal game at, at the Emirates on um, March 18th. Or actually, I think it was pushed to the 19th now. Uh, but I'm going to that game in the weekend, and I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, you know, even if I get a cameo from Jesus, I get some little action from him because that's mid-March. He should be due back um, early March. So hopefully we get to see him. But, Sean, you're right. I think, you know, Jesus signing got us to where we are and the fact that we're treading water right now without him and Eddie and Kedia kind of stepping up. I think he's running out of the juice a little bit up top. I think, like I said before, it would have been an A plus window, the winter transfer window for Arsenal if they brought in another striker, even on loan, just to, just to help out the pressure, relieve the pressure of Eddie up top so that, you know, the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, he can, he can come off and get fresh legs. Cause I think that's a massive, 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 um, benefit to have when you have depth specifically in the wide wing areas and up top. Yeah. Um, one last thing I want to touch upon would be Jorginho. Like you mentioned his signing, once he gets hot, that's going to be a really, a really big, like, I guess, pump up for the team. Mm-hmm. Cause uh, since he's joined, they've lost to Everton and man city and drawn with, what was it? Brentford. Mm-hmm. So it Asterix. looks like he's just a little bit out of place. Like, mm-hmm. he's just got to find himself, get comfortable with the program, get the chemistry flowing. And then, like you said, Partey comes back, Jesus comes back. You're going to have a different lineup. It's going to be scary. Yeah, I mean, Jorginho is a world talent. Obviously, we know he was, he was, he was a, what, third or second or fourth place for the Ballon d'Or a couple sec- seasons ago. I mean, he's a world-class player. So, I think what we really wanted to see here is Jorginho come in and almost make it difficult for Arteta to have Thomas Party just slide back into there. That's the goal, right? That's always the goal. You're number two to come in, do super well. That makes the manager's decision very difficult. Obviously, if you look at the history of all the games we played without Thomas Party, they're all freaking L's. But it still will be interesting, Jorginho, how he fits into the other side of London now. Sean, were you good with what uh what 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 other things you want to talk about in this game? Well, I like just it? thought it was outrageous that you just referred to Jorginho as world class just because he yeah, finished top class. three in the no chance. World class means you're top five in the world. In my opinion, you can walk into like you're a top five player at your position in the world. There's no chance he's that just because no, Georgina, he, I, he he's not even close to. I don't even think he's a top five midfielder in in the Premier League. I don't know. He played. He played in the in the Euros. He's got a Euro Championship. He's got the cup for the Euros. He's a. He was a staple. He won that penalty for the Euros. Team. Oh yeah, he's massive I mean, for the team. I don't think he's the best. Dude, position. he's backing he's up at Arsenal. Up. How is he a world class if he's backup at Arsenal right now? Well, he's also what, he's thirty or is he twenty nine now? Thirty one. No, he's, he's not old. world class. He's not. He's not, he's not he's even a, a top. He's three never player. been world class. He had a great year. He was like the third best player on Chelsea's team that won the Champions League and like the fourth best player in Italy's team that won the Euros in the same year. That doesn't make you world class. He's a good player. That is the reason why he's a bench player at Arsenal right now. 
Just I, I don't agree that he's not world class. I don't say I don't think he's the top five in his position, but I definitely don't think. I mean, he was a running for the Ballon d'Or. He reminds me of Isco, similar player in my opinion. Very and very good, just class. just borderline, not there yet. And he's getting old, so I don't think he's ever going to get there. No, I mean he's not going to get better from now. But I still think that was a great winter signing. It's a year and a half contract. So we'll see with another with the possibility of re-upping for another year. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, that's always a little bit of a, of a tell when you're not locking someone down for more than a year and a half. You, you don't really see that future. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put that up to debate on social media, Sean. We'll put a poll out there. We'll see what people think because I like to okay. see what everyone says about Jorginho. And then, Sean, you can probably rub it in my face or I'll obviously <laughs> call you every morning for the next month to tell you I told you so. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But I think I think that's that does a good job covering the Arsenal game. I would love to move on to one of the most exciting games I think of the weekend. Well, it started off to be one of the most exciting games of the weekend, and that was Liverpool's victory against Newcastle 2-0. Not only was this the first time I believe Newcastle let up two goals within the first half, they let it up within the first 25 minutes, and they have some massive issues coming coming down the line for the Carabao Cup, the League Cup final now. So, Sean, because uh, you're probably one of, the, one of the first times I'll allow you to speak about Liverpool and be happy because of now they've won two straight. Um, I know you were pretty stoked about it this weekend. I think you got to probably make, take take a little little step back. But here's your moment. Stand up to the stage. Let's see what you hey, got. Hey, man, I've been spending, you know, the, the six weeks we've been doing this podcast, listening to you guys wax on about <laughs> Man City, talk about Arsenal, talk about this BS where Jorginho's world class. Let me tell you who's world class. Allison Becker is world frigging class, man. Absolutely. Even though, our, uh, excuse me, Liverpool scored twice in the first 25 minutes, they were under pressure early, and he made two or three huge saves. Um, and then he also, you know, delivered the turning point in the game where he had that punt from – his own box out to Mo Salah. Pope decided that he was going to pretend to, you know, do his best Allison Becker impersonation, but instead fell on his face, handled the ball outside of the penalty box and was sent off. Um, and that, that obviously has major implications for the Carabao cup, as you mentioned, because he will be suspended. And on top of that, uh, Martin Dubravka, who is the Newcastle backup who came on and played well against Liverpool this weekend, uh, actually was on loan at United earlier in the year and is cup-tied with United, um, so he can't play either, which means the legend, Loris Carries, <laughs> will be uh, down in the mitts in between the pipes for uh, Newcastle on Sunday in the Carabao Cup final. So hopefully a chance for redemption for him, but for Liverpool, this is a huge W, man. Um, if they wanted want to be a top-four team at the end of the season, they had to win. Um, and not only did they win, but as you mentioned, they really asserted themselves early. Two quick goals from from Nunez, great ball from Trent, and then I mean magisterial ball from Mo Salah on the Cody Gakpo goal. So to get Gakpo and Nunez up and running with the Champions League coming up, and you know this top four push, hopefully for the second half of the year, it's it's a huge huge moment for them, and hopefully they can take some momentum and carry it forward. Yeah, I was I was very happy to see Liverpool. I'm obviously was kind of hoping maybe it wouldn't happen until the second time we faced you this season. But I was happy to see the lights of your forwards. Your top three actually looked like the top three of old. So it was really nice seeing kind of Cody Gapko coming in kind of at a really rough time. I know I mentioned it before, and not you know being what he was at PSV, but because you were he was coming to a side that was doing poorly. But it was definitely uh, a, a nice W. For Liverpool, hopefully they can keep that momentum going against Crystal Palace this weekend. But I <laughs> did just want to say that I'm a big fan of Nick Pope. He obviously royally fucked me on my fantasy team this this weekend. But that was the most outrageous failure to head or clear a ball at an outcoming keeper I've ever seen in my entire life. Absolutely top 10 fails of the season. Might be number one in my books, especially because he got red guarded and is out. For a cup <laughs> <final>. <laughs> yeah, it's for yeah, that I was mean, awful. That was, Eddie Howe's like uh, Eddie Howe said after the game that he didn't know the rules, but he thought it was harsh. It's like, first of all, dude, you're the manager. You should know the rules of how the how the game works. And second, Pope was literally walking to the tunnel before Anthony Taylor had the hand in his pocket because he knew he was getting sent off. I mean, it's crazy. He goes ahead of the ball so low. I mean, he just misjudged it so badly. I mean, he could clear yeah. it with a with his boot, his knee, his shin, any part of his body besides his head. And he absolutely gets it wrong. 
falls pretty much. I think the first handball that was going to get called no matter what was completely accidental. He's catching himself when it goes forward. It just, it just kind of gets caught in between. I think it was his left arm or his right arm and his elbow. And then as soon as he realized that happened, he made sure that that ball wasn't getting anywhere. And he just, he just, he just holds on to it, but absolutely outrageous. Um, but I did mention to you, I texted you earlier in the, in the weekend about the game. And I almost kind of felt that it would have been better if that didn't happen for Liverpool really would have kept their momentum going. I think it was probably written in the stars for that to happen so that Klopp could make the substitutions that he could to rest up for the big game against Real Madrid during the week. But I would have loved to see Liverpool really put a stamp on it and beat Newcastle who has been the tightest defensive team out there. I think Liverpool, if they kept going, they could have won that game five, nothing four nothing. They were really, really, really giving it to a, a Newcastle team, which I think their headspace was totally just in the cup final, which now their headspace for the cup final is probably concerning as well. Obviously, Nick Pope isn't 11 players he's won, but he's been a key factor for him. James, I must be mishearing something. Did you just say that one of the worst things that happened for Liverpool that game was Pope's red card? I didn't say like it like that, but I, I feel like if, that didn't happen. You get a red card and they go down. Sometimes it's it's more difficult to play against 10 men on the pitch because the space is now, even though it's not as congested, the formation or the style that a team goes goes to when they're playing with 10 men, is it's it's much more difficult sometimes for a team to go up against. And it showed, right? Liverpool, for until I, I believe they did a massive four-player swap in the second half or three-player swap in the second half, they weren't getting anywhere. And even Newcastle at points looked like they were the more dangerous side. But obviously, anytime the number one goalkeeper, arguably in the league, gets a red card, it's it's going to be a benefit to the opposing uh, opposing team. But I definitely do think that Liverpool had a four nothing, four one, three one, three nothing win in them on that game for sure. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. I mean, you can also argue that that allows them to take out their stars and save them. Mm -hmm. risk take away the risk for injury they secure their two nothing lead they put in some players that don't get much time test them out you know if they do drop another goal make it two to one per se then maybe make one last adjustment with your last sub but i don't know man you want to bring arsenal with 10 men out to the eddie head when we play in april i'm good with that i think that's a that's a stretch from the hot take king but I will say, Sean, I didn't hear you mention, but there was some really important cameos that came onto that pitch that they haven't had an appearance in a while with Jota and, and uh, Firmino, right? Yeah. So they, they both came off the bench the week before against Everton uh, late in the game, but you know to get another 30, 35 minutes in their legs, and then obviously for Van Dyke to come back and you know maybe even if he had a couple moments where he didn't quite look his best, him to get 90 minutes in, to get a clean sheet, like I said, it's just it's it's really encouraging as a Liverpool fan to see it. You know, if you asked me eight days ago, I would say, no, I don't even I don't think they're going to be in the top four. Now I'm convinced of it. So <laughs> it's, it's how quickly a week can we can change things. But um, I'm excited, man. And obviously a game in hand on, on most of the teams ahead of them. So just keep taking care of business and, you know, they'll be all right. They have to play pretty much all those teams that are ahead of them again, you know, Tottenham's got to go to to Anfield this year uh, still. Um, Arsenal's got to come to Anfield. Manchester United's got to come to Anfield. So we'll, we'll get another crack at some of these teams that, that took points off us earlier in the year, and hopefully that'll help us, you know, take the momentum forward. But obviously the Champions League now is where the, where the focus goes. Absolutely. Well, I know we're on a bit of a time crunch here today. I think we covered some really important games. Um, pretty well. I know we could love to leave Sean on a happy note. So I think we're going to pop into our quick third segment here. If we're going to circle back, it will just be Kyle and I will circle back and talk about that. Um, the, the city won one tie as well as Arsenal's four, uh, two win, but those are, are just exciting to watch the highlights. So I recommend you guys go out and watch those really exciting games from both teams there, but we're going to pop up with segment number three real quick. And it's going to be this or that, and it's going to be a rapid fire segment. So stay tuned. Okay, new segment for everybody here, this 
or that. We're going to go through a series of five questions that we've come up with. Uh, we'll post them on the social media throughout the week to see what you guys feel as well. But it's going to be a rapid fire segment, and we'll quickly answer each of the biggest questions in the league currently right now. Yeah. So the first one, Kyle, which manager is more likely to be fired, David Moyes or Graham Potter? Graham Potter, in my opinion. The, uh, the amount of money he's spent, the amount of players he's acquired versus the results he's attained is just abomishing. It's not even a word. I have to make <laughs> up a word for his performance. I mean, you had 17 shots this weekend and no goals, and you've spent 600 million pounds on strikers, pretty much strikers alone. So, yeah, all right. The dude needs to have his hands cut off. He should never be able to sign a check again, and he's gone. Yeah, it's it's tough. What's what's the breaking point for it? I mean, three weeks ago. It, yeah. it, could, it could be it could be next week when they get if they get eliminated by Dortmund. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching the lineups. There's a they have different strikers out there. He's testing them all. Like, you know, we saw Sterling this weekend. We see people last weekend, and, and nothing's working. So you got to bring in someone new. The talent is clearly there in the club. They're just misled. Let me ask. Let me. Yeah. So. I'll answer your question with another question. I think it is also Graham Potter, but I'll pose it this way. If West Ham's performance continues to decline and they seem to be a real contender, as they already are for relegation, but within the next couple of weeks, it's almost imminent that they're going to be going down. And let's say Graham Potter survives the this current round of knockout stages for the Champions League. I would put... Moyes is on the hot seat above if Chelsea can get through into the next round of the Champions League. Other than that, I think Potter, I mean, you, you look, you can't look at the owners. And I was talking to my brother who, who's a big Chelsea fan and he's, 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 you know, kind of on the Potter out phase now, but you can't look at the owner because they're doing everything that they can, right? They spent the most, I think, in an English Premier League history. Chelsea alone has spent more money than other leagues out there this year. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Insane. So you can't you can't get mad at at, at Bowley, right? Because he's doing what you would want him to do as a fan. You can't get too mad at the players because they haven't had enough time to gel in the world class. Yeah, I think if you're world class and you're coming in for that money, you should kind of have a bit of an instant impact. But I think Potter's got to go if they don't go through the next round of Champions League. And if they do, I think Moises is 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 out. Okay. So the next next one on there, um, staying on that subject, who's more likely to stay up, West Ham or Leeds? That's a tough one. I think I think West Ham is most like more likely to to stay up. I think Leeds, their current game plan is just run the ball, run around as much as you can, try to maintain possession where you are, and score when you can. But I think West Ham has has been a little bit more of a consistent team. Um, obviously not for the better, but I just have a feeling that West Ham is going to turn around in the second half. You know, I think West Ham stays up. I think Leeds is, is in more danger. Kyle. Yeah, I like Leeds. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say Leeds because they're more fun to watch based off that alone. Uh, they have 10 more goals, but 10 more goals allowed for the most part. They score a lot. They let up a lot. You watch West Ham. There's just a lot of boring shit going on in those games. <laughs> yeah. So I would like to see Leeds stay up. So I'm going to go with Leeds. Okay. Yeah, I think I would, I'm going to lean with James. I'm going to go West Ham just because even though Moyes obviously hasn't had the best season, he is a little bit more established. There's more structure at West Ham at the moment than Leeds, but I think there arguably is more talent overall on the Leeds roster. It's just about finding finding the, the formation and the style of play that gets the most out of the players that they got. Um, one more I got for you guys. Who's more likely to finish in the top four, Liverpool, Tottenham, or Newcastle? Kyle. Um, right now, based off this weekend's performance, I would say Liverpool most likely, but it's tough with Spurs up there playing the way they are as well. They're winning games and so is Liverpool, but <clears throat> excuse me, both of them had a rough start to the season and both of them seem to be finding themselves. I think Liverpool outplays Spurs for the rest of this season. It's just a matter of, is the gap too wide at this point? Is sure. there enough time left? Sure. And Newcastle, you kidding me? That, that, that this fluke season is going to run out eventually. This stuff there, yeah. I guess we got too hot and heavy with Newcastle being ahead of schedule. Uh, you can definitely tell that the inexperience of being where they currently are could possibly be be breaking it as well. But I, I would say, in order, 
I would say Newcastle most likely top four, then Liverpool because I think they're going to come into a run and really take off. And then I would go Tottenham. One, because I do not like Tottenham Hotspurs by any means. And it is actually it's, <laughs> it's absurd to me how they are right now in fourth place with the, with the way they have been playing, the inconsistency. I mean, it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. I mean, yeah, they beat Man City, who we couldn't do, but they did it one nothing. And I don't know what it is, but whenever they drink the Man City game juice, they play better than they should be playing. And to be honest with you, I think they're in a bit of a tight spot with a couple of big names not performing to what they should be. And then, you know, obviously towards the end of the season, a lot of their focus is going to be on, you know, is Kane staying? Which I think he will, but I think that will be a bit of a distraction for him. I think Liverpool this weekend showed really, really strong potential as they they have in seasons previously where they have everyone fully healthy and fully rostered. Yeah, I agree with that. Sean mentioned it before, but Van Dyke came back, which was a massive, literally quite a Van Dyke superhuman-sized hole in the back line. So with him coming back, I think we're going to see the tides shift uh, to Liverpool's favor. So to be honest with you, I, I might take a peek at what the DraftKings odds are for a Liverpool top four finish over you know Spurs. But um, you know it could be a little fluke for Newcastle too. Yeah, like you mentioned too with Harry Kane. I mean, they won two nothing this weekend against West Ham and. Son had a goal, and then someone else scored, but it wasn't Kane. I'd be interested to see how many games this season Spurs have won without a Kane goal, because it's it can't be many. So, like you said, if he leaves, they have to rely on some other players stepping up. Son specifically, Son. Yeah, he's had a bit of a tough season, and just so, just to go back to what you said before, Son had the a seventy second minute goal, and a, the first goal of the game was with Emerson Royale who you'll see a lot of fun memes out there right now, um, particularly the one with his face superimposed over uh, Michael Jordan's uh, because uh, it's Tottenham actually were replacing him over this winter transfer window with uh, Pedro Perro or Poro. And he hasn't seen the field for more than I think a half because Emerson Royal took that, I I can only assume extremely personally (laughs) (laughs) and is playing very, very well. I mean, it's 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 good to see that sometimes a, a winter transfer window purchase or a summer transfer window purchase is not to completely get rid of a player, but spark them again. Because the biggest thing in, in a higher level is you need the competition. You're fighting for a spot on the on with with the eleven guys out there, right? I mean, you're not all best friends on the practice pitch because you're fighting for that guy's next spot. You're going to be friends because you're teammates. But obviously having someone come in specifically in position, it's going to light a bit of a fire underneath you. Absolutely. Especially at the top level teams. All right. Let me ask you this one, Kyle. Uh, I know Sean's position on this, but since he's gone now, I, uh, I want to take full advantage of this question. Who this or that, who would you rather have on your squad to build around Saka or Rashford? Now, we posed this question before Rashford had a brace over the weekend. So I think a lot of people's swing might go the other way. But we did put a poll up this weekend on this. So I'm, I'm interested to see where you would stand on this. Uh, beginning of the season, Saka. Current season, Rashford. I mean, Saka's playing, Saka's playing exactly how I thought he would, which is at a very, very high level this season. He's looking unbelievable top. 10 player in the league is shoe in for that. But Rashford, I don't, I don't think there's a better player in the premier league right now than Rashford. So I I would take him in his current form over anyone, including probably Erling Holland, which is staggering to say, but he's cooled off. Rashford's heating up. So just taking current forms. He does. I mean, that celebration too. It's it's, it's going viral, man. It's everyone everywhere. And obviously he didn't come up with it, but he's really putting a stamp on it right now. So I'll wait to see. Do you even need to answer this? Do do we need to ask you? Yeah. Soccer or Rashford? I know it's really tough. If I, if you were to tell, ask me right now, based off of just current form, it's very, very hard to not go with Rashford because of the current form he is, he is in and he creates, I mean, soccer creates too. And he, I think he's a more consistent player. But we haven't seen a downturn in the second half for Rashford. So there, you can argue that there's consistency right, right now for him too. But I think Saka, every season in and out, can do exactly what he's doing. And I think because of his age, he is only going to get better. And I think he's a real contender for young player of the season. 
just to throw the stats out there for everyone, we did put this up on our EPL State of Mind Instagram poll. Um, and thanks to one of my great friends, Blake Pirtle, uh, who's helped us with all of our graphic designs, our logos and all that. We're going to come with a lot more posts in the, in the near future with a, a couple templates that he was able to create for us, which will kind of really get our social media off the, off the ground. So please give us a follow on Instagram on Twitter. Uh, we're going to do a lot more activity on that. But just to go over what we were talking about poll-wise, 62, this was before Rashford had a brace on Sunday. Uh, 38% went for Rashford and 62% went for Saka. And this was based off of 23 appearances, Rashford leading 12 goals to nine, uh, Saka leading eight goals to three, and then uh, their other stats are pretty level as well. So that's kind of, you, you look at how much each player has created, and Saka has created more in the sense of goals and assists combined, but you could argue that Rashford has been one of the sole reasons why Man U is even on the map right now. You take Rashford away, and I guarantee you Man U is still struggling to be in that top four race, but it's just Absolutely. it's incredible. It's also got to look at the position they're in. I mean, Rashford's paid to score goals. Saka's paid to do both, right? Isn't Rashford a solo striker versus a winger? No. Yeah, so he's he's been playing on the left side, I believe, as of late, right? Let me double-check that, and then we can kind of go from there, but... Yeah, right here. I mean, Rashford started the weekend as as the number one striker. They put a four two three one. So I mean, it's he's that's what he's doing. He's getting paid to do what he's doing. Whereas yeah, I mean, you have Arnacho started on the left side this weekend. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas Saka, you expect him to create. So mm -hmm. you know, he's more of a a Swiss Army knife. Whereas Rashford's probably more of just like a steak knife. You know, cutting right mm -hmm. to the chase. Yeah, two two really young, exciting players to, to look at. So I would be very interested to to revisit this this or that at the end of the season based off of final positions and final stats for both yeah. of these players. So we'll come back to that. But uh, we uh, I like this segment a lot. I think we'll bring it back more often and we'll kind of end it there. And uh, we're going to have some closing remarks, games to watch for. We get to congratulate Kyle on a nail biter of a lock. So he goes one and one now, but very impressive. And then uh, I'll get you the good stuff on my end. Who's going to make the money this weekend for us? Looking forward to next week and the weekend. We're going to do a quick little synopsis of what we have, what we feel everyone should be you know, at the edge of their seats for. And of course, we'll get to the lock of the week. So within the EPL next week, we have two games to highlight here. And I think it's going to be one of the most interesting and intense London derbies this year. And that is Chelsea versus Spurs. So it's a huge game on Sunday. It's over at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, but obviously, Chelsea need a lifeline here. And to take down a top four team, not only a top four team, but one of their main London rivals would be a great swing. I think this would really start to, you know, have the dominoes fall for a very shaky Spurs team and maybe get a couple pegs back up for Chelsea. So I'm thinking that's going to be a really fun game to watch on Sunday. Also, who wants to do anything besides watch CPL on Sunday mornings? So I'll definitely be watching that game. Um, and then we also have, we spoke about it very briefly beforehand when Sean was on and it's uh, Palace versus Liverpool. Palace, I think we can all agree that Sean has a soft spot for them, but obviously is going to be wanting to recover from possibly a, uh, like you called it last week, Kyle, I think they're going to win this game with a recovery from a midweek game uh, that they're playing tomorrow against Real Madrid. But we'll get into the Champions League games in a moment. So I do think, you know, Liverpool's finding themselves here. And I think if they can continue that ball and that momentum rolling in the EPL, I think that they will make a stride to the top four. And it just comes down to the fact that you mentioned before, which was a great comment, is, is the gap just too wide at this point for Liverpool? Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, one other thing to look at during the Chelsea Spurs game mm -hmm. is that Jao Felix is the only player who scored a goal for them so far this month. They do this cool inter-club tournament between Chelsea players where they, they try to decide who has the best goal of the month and they give out prizes within their club. And right now, Jao Felix is a winner <laughs> by default. <laughs> So <laughs> I think this is one to keep an eye on, guys. We might get a, a one-goal score a month out of Chelsea. Oh, that's horrible. They, I, at that point, I think they should just um, 
not do the competition for that month and say you all suck uh, <laughs> and we're not going to give it to one person because they're the one who scored. Yeah, maybe so, yeah, most egregious error, seats. biggest missed chance, yeah, exactly. something like that. <laughs> exactly. But, of course, uh, don't forget uh, this weekend as well is the Carabao Cup final, also known as the League Cup. This is against Newcastle versus Man United. This is both teams' opportunity at a trophy. The first good game. one. Really good it, game. It should be a really good game. Obviously, we spoke about before where Newcastle's number one. Nick Pope is disqualified from participating due to the red card he received over the weekend and that they will be using their third string uh, goalie. So it could be a resurgence for Loris Karras. So that would be a redemption story for him. Obviously, just been sitting, doing nothing. Uh, and, you know, he was a, a great goalkeeper. The only real blemish or rather history that he has, unfortunately, is his errors in the Liverpool-Real Madrid Champions League final. So we'll see uh, what happens there. But perfect segue. Champions League is also back in action this week. We have four games, two of them tomorrow. Liverpool versus Real Madrid will be a really interesting game. Real Madrid, Kyle, you mentioned before, has been maybe struggling in early game form as of late, but they obviously have been doing well and and getting their results. They, I believe, sit second right now in La Liga. Um, And then uh, we also have Frankfurt, the winner of the Europa League last year, playing Napoli, who is arguably one of the hottest teams in the entire European soccer right now. So we'll, we'll see how they are able to come play against a Frankfurt and Napoli game. So that's coming up on Saturday. Our next games are on, I'm sorry, did I say Saturday? Tomorrow. They're playing tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, we have RB Leipzig versus your team, Man City. I'm thinking it should probably be an easy Man City win. I'm just curious what formation and what team uh, Pep is going to throw out there. We'll see. Any nerves on that one, Kyle? Or you think that this will be yeah. your team nah. league run here? There's always nerves when Manchester City enters the Champions League. It's a tournament we've never won, even when I thought we had the best team in the world and we had Chelsea as the finalists. We still couldn't beat them. So, you know, it's the same thing with Liverpool, Real Madrid right now. This is Real Madrid's tournament, historically. It always has been. It always will be until someone else takes away their, what, like dozen wins they already have. So, you know, the game's going to be at Anfield for Liverpool. That could be their saving grace against just the looming Real Madrid Champions League that's going to come down on them. But yeah, huge first Man's, leg, huge first leg. Huge yeah. first leg. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um I think the uh, Manchester City game, let me check right now. That is that is at Leipzig. So it's going to be an away game for us. Mm-hmm. Um we'll see. We didn't look so good this weekend against Nottingham. I'm hoping that's because we didn't start all of our starters in preparation for the Champions League because right. that is Pep's last missing thing on his resume right now if he can yeah. get a champions league he's a shoe-in for a top three manager ever mm-hmm. so uh, i'm just gonna watch with a lot of stress yeah you guys i think you guys will come on top out of this this knockout stage obviously but i think we should yeah, yeah we, we so. should be fine here it's just a mm-hmm. we should have beaten nottingham forest this weekend <laughs> <laughs> you know like a lot of Agreed. shoulds and then uh, at 3 o'clock on Wednesday as well is Inter versus Porto. Inter is the home team. So that will be actually a very interesting game too. So good good matchup all around for, for this midweek tourney. Getting into the conversation about Nottingham Forest, I'll pop into my lock of the week. And I think this is pretty absurd, especially with a tie off of Man City. And they're up against West Ham this weekend. But right now, Nottingham Forest, this is DraftKings. I think the odds are a little better on FanDuel. But right now, West Ham is favored minus 130 to win, and Forest is plus 38 on DraftKings. So I'm going to pepper that. But my real lock of the week is going to be Nottingham Forest, uh, draw, no bet. So they're right now at plus 245 on DraftKings for that. I'm, I'm going to put that in as my lock of the week. I think Nottingham Forest wins this game. They've been the hottest team since the World Cup break. They're coming off of a win, a tie, which is essentially a win against Man City. So my lock of the week is Nottingham Forest, draw no bet. If you want to be a little bit spicy and get a little better odds, I'd go straight up money line for them. I think they're going to kill it. Um, other than that, looking they, at Fulham. They must know something we don't, James, for those odds. Uh, I, I, there has to be, and I'll let, I'll let someone tell me that. But as of right now, I'm going to lock that in as Nottingham Forest over West Ham. 
like you said, West Ham coming off of a 2-0 win, a loss against Spurs, Nottingham Forest 1-1 tie against Man City. I just think for the, the odds that you have in positive value at plus 380, why not put down 25? Yeah, I mean, Nottingham's in 13th in the league, West Ham's in 18th. Yeah, uh, I, I don't understand. But we'll see. So that's my lock of the week. Kyle, this is your time again to shine. You are now 1-1. One and one. That's right, uh, 500, boys. One. That's Hall of Fame <laughs> status in some sports. So We're, we're getting to we're the there. swing of things. Stuff is going to get tough now. So I'm hoping I can capitalize on a second lock of the week and and still be up front over you and sean we're tied for one and one but we'll see so with that being said i think it's time for a nice sign off again as always appreciate everyone's listens comments feedbacks and participation with our polls and questions on instagram again you can follow us on instagram and twitter at uh, epl state of mind a lot of fun things are going to come in out towards the the new social media platforms very shortly so keep an eye out for us and keep an eye out for us our drop next week hopefully everyone picks the a lock of the week and hopefully i can make you all happy so thank you again this is kyle james and sean epl state of mind signing off